Good evening and welcome to E-Bible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 6 of Revelation chapter 5. And we're going to begin by looking at verse 6. And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. We were looking at this verse in our last study, and uh, we've uh, progressed to the last part of the verse, where it says, having seven horns and seven eyes. This is describing the Lamb, who is Jesus Christ, And also it goes on to say seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Now, the phrase seven spirits of God is found a few times in the book of Revelation. We've already uh, gone over it a few times in Revelation chapter one in verse four, John to the seven churches, which are. In Asia, grace be unto you in peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. So the uh, the Apostle John is writing to the seven churches and he is commissioned to write that is the one that is giving him the divine revelation and sending it to the churches through John is, of course, eternal God, who is described as um, the one who which is and which was and which is to come. It's it's uh, pointing out his everlasting nature, but also and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And that's putting the seven spirits of God on an equal plateau with eternal God himself. And that lets us know that the seven spirits is uh, another name of God. It's another description describing the person of God, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. In Revelation 3, it says in verse 1, And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And uh, the seven stars are the seven churches we would read back in Revelation 1. And uh, this is Christ writing to the church in Sardis and, and writing, of course, to all seven of the churches. And he has... He possesses the seven spirits of God because the Holy Spirit is eternal God. Christ is eternal God. The Father is eternal God. They uh, are one. And in Revelation 4, in verse 5, And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunders and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And we went over this. Uh, we spent a little time with this verse when we were studying chapter 4. The seven lamps identify with the seven candlesticks. And remember, back in Revelation chapter 1, 
we read concerning Christ uh, in verse 12, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and then in verse 13, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man. In the midst of the seven candlesticks, or in the midst of the seven lamps, is Christ. And the way God speaks of himself is uh, just beyond uh, us sometimes to to fully, of course, comprehend. He he is just infinitely greater than our minds are are equipped to handle, and and he in this case is referring to himself, his spirit, the spirit of Christ, as seven spirits, because it represents the perfection of the Holy Spirit, the perfection of the Spirit of God. And in Revelation 5, verse 6, these seven horns and seven eyes, which the Lamb that had been slain has, are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And and this would mean that the seven eyes and horns are expression or an extension of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit carried the gospel message, the message of the atoning work of the Lamb of God into the world. And and uh, God here is highlighting that truth. Well, let's move on, and we're going to read verses 7 through 9 in Revelation chapter 5. And he came, this is the Lamb that had been slain, and he came and took the book, out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And who was seated upon the throne? Eternal God. And who is the Lamb taking the book? Eternal God. Well, let me continue reading. And took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred, and tongue, and people, and nation." And I'll uh, end the reading there. Now, uh, these three verses were being given uh, a view, a look into something extremely wonderful as God is picturing it. Of course, this is just language that God is using to describe truths, spiritual truths, and we're not to think there was a lamb with seven horns and seven eyes and and that this uh this mysterious unusual lamb came and took a book out of God who's actually seated upon some grand throne in the kingdom of heaven and that there is an actual book no all these things teach us various truths concerning the uh, salvation and judgment plan of God concerning the work of Christ, the Savior, 
and and so on. Now, one thing that God is emphasizing here that um, maybe could get lost because such other glorious things are going on is that the Lamb of God, Jesus, the Christ, took the book. It was said in verse 7, he came and took the book out of the right hand of him. In verse 8, and when he had taken the book, and then that's at the point the four living creatures and 24 elders fall down in worship. And then in verse 9, and they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book. So there's actually a very strong emphasis on the fact that Christ, the Lamb of God, took the book. And as we saw before, this book is the Bible, or it's the Word of God. And this book was sealed with seven seals. This is the first step, the first action, the first movement towards removing the seals is taking possession of the book. And that sort of surprises us because the one taking the book is the Lamb. It is Jesus who is the Word made flesh. He is the embodiment, the personification of the Bible. Why Why is God stressing this way that Christ the Lamb is taking the book? And, uh, and therefore in possession of the book, the Bible. He's always been the Word. Uh, remember John 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, and yet God is again putting His finger on this particular action. The first Step towards the removal of the seven seals. And all we can say that could possibly help us to understand this is that the Bible, yes, is the word of God and identifies with Christ. But as uh, was mentioned, I think, in our last study, the the name of Christ, the name of God as the Lamb, is greatly magnified in the book of Revelation. The, the name Lamb appears 29 times in the book of Revelation. This is more than any other book of the Bible. Even in the Old Testament, when they would be offering the lamb as a sacrificial animal, and the reference would be to the animal being offered in sacrifice, the most references to a lamb is found in the book of Numbers, where it's mentioned 28 times. And of course, the deeper spiritual meaning would point to the uh, Lord, but, but in Revelation, the lamb is mentioned 29 times. And in each case, it is referring to Christ who has um, done the work, his saving work. He has performed the atonement and he has been victorious. As we read here in Revelation 5, 
that this is the first time the lamb is being mentioned and it will not be the last. Now the lamb will take center stage. God will repeatedly direct our attention back to this name of Christ because he is the victorious one he has accomplished he has performed and finished the sacrifice from the foundation of the world and now the bible becomes his it is a book now that completely identifies with the lamb of god it is in his possession the atoning work that jesus performed the the atoning work which has set in motion all of God's uh, program to to save his elect and and has set in motion God's entire salvation plan is now under the full authority and power and control of the lamb he has taken the book the bible and it is now belonging to the Lamb of God. I I think that is probably why God is emphasizing this to the degree that he has, that the emphasis really is on the name, the Lamb. The Lamb now possesses the book, the Bible. And because he is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, because he has overcome and and has died for the sins of his people, and was resurrected also uh, from the foundation of the world to be called the Son of God and to be given the name the Lamb, that this means that the beautiful work of the Bible in redeeming these elect ones, these blessed ones in every generation will be carried out all throughout the history of the world. Okay, well, let's go back to verse 8 of Revelation 5, which says, And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb. Now, I just want to make a, a point of this. I want us to take note that what is going to happen in the verses that follow, even in this very same verse, is uh, is happening uh, with the four living creatures who are a representation of the glory of God. They are a representation of God himself and the four and twenty elders which typify the elect together. That is what one is doing, the other is doing. and And so when we read that they fell down, they all fell down. Yes, God, typified and represented by the four living creatures, is falling down before God, before the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And and every one of them, this would be the 24 elders as well as the four living creatures, has harps, and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And when verse 9 says, And they sung a new song, yes, 
The four living creatures are singing. God, eternal God, is singing, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book. They're singing praise to the Savior, to the Lamb of God, and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And again, this is all continuing um, the same um, thought from verse 8, that the four living creatures and four and twenty elders are doing this in unison. That means the four living creatures are also uh, praising the Lamb for redeeming them to God. Now, that is something that we've never uh, previously considered, or at least I haven't, that God is praising God for redeeming God. And, and well, that's something that uh, I don't want to quickly go over, and, and we want to spend some time carefully looking at. So we're, we're going to just, um, save that for the next study or the study after that. We'll see how, how we progress through this. But keep that in mind as we're reading these things that uh, it is the four living creatures with the elect typified by the 24 elders that are doing these things and proclaiming these things. And they fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. Well, let's look at the harps that every one of them has. And uh, we're, we're going to look at a few verses, because the harp, which is a musical instrument, is a very interesting instrument in the Bible. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, we read of David, and this is before he was, he was made king. Well, he, he had already been anointed, but, uh, Saul was still king of Israel. He had not yet ascended to the throne. And in 1 Samuel 16, we read in verse 23, And it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took a harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. Now, isn't that strange that David would chase away an evil spirit by playing the harp. And and Saul, I'm sure, greatly appreciated this. This is before David slew Goliath and before he was so uh, envious that he couldn't uh, think straight concerning David. And and so this was like medicinal for Saul. It, it helped his psyche. He he was very pleased when David would play the harp. Well, let's also look at First Chronicles chapter 25. And we'll see that here we read something more about the harp. In First Chronicles 25, in verse 1. 
Moreover, David and the captains of the host separated to the service of the sons of Asaph and of Heman and of Jeduthun, who should prophesy with harps, with psalteries, and with cymbals. And the number of the workmen according to their service was of the sons of Asaph, Zechar, and Joseph, and Nethaniah, and Azrela, the sons of Asaph under the hands of Asaph, which prophesied according to the order of the king, of Jeduthun, the sons of Jeduthun, Gedaliah, and Zerai, and Jeshahiah, Hashabiah, and Mattathiah, six under the hands of their father Jeduthun, who prophesied with a harp to give thanks and to praise Jehovah. Now that word prophesied is joined together with harps. David established the sons of Asaph and of Heman, and and we do read in the Psalms, the uh, Psalm of Asaph, and I think one Psalm at least is a song, a Psalm of Heman, and their sons were to prophesy with harps, psalteries, and cymbals. That is three different musical instruments. It's God's purpose that they play and and the word of God considers their playing prophesying. And, uh, you know, that's what true believers do. We declare the word of God. We speak. Uh, we share the truth that we learn from the Bible. And spiritually, that is prophesying. Therefore, there is a link between playing a harp and prophesying. And, and that maybe helps us understand why the evil spirits departed from Saul when David, who's a type of Christ, would play the harp. There was prophecy taking place. Uh, and prophecy is a sharing of truth of the word of God. In Psalm 49, uh, we read something further that helps us understand uh, more about harps. In verse 4, I will incline mine ear to a parable. And, uh, of course, the, the Bible is likened to a parable. Uh, Jesus is the word, and Jesus said that without a parable, he did not speak. Teaching us, instructing us how to understand the word of God, the Bible. We must look for the deeper spiritual meaning. And and so the Psalms were not surprised uh, um, here in Psalm 45 is making mention of this. I will incline mine ear to a parable, just as Christ would say after speaking a parable. Let him that has ears to hear, uh, hear. And, and then it goes on to say in verse 4, I will open my dark saying upon the heart. Now, this is what is known as Hebrew parallelism. That is, the first part of the verse is restated in the second part of the verse, but some of the words are changed. I will incline mine ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying. Now, the dark saying would be synonymous with parable. I will open my parable, the dark saying, upon the harp. And and isn't that exactly what prophesying is? 
prophesying is is when we come to the Bible and by God's grace he opens up our ears and eyes to understand his word and then we share it. We are spiritually prophesying. This is why it says in Acts 2, your sons and daughters will prophesy. They will, in the last days, they will share the things that God opens up from his word. Well, we have a uh, actually, a few more verses to look at, and I don't want to rush through these because we're going to see something uh, significant and important for our present time as we come to understand the spiritual meaning of the word harp and those that play upon the harp. It will help us also uh, sorrowfully to understand a little bit better what God is doing today in the day of judgment. 